Would you like me to hit the record button? No, I would like to hit the record button. Hello, Chelsea friends. As you can tell, this is not Matt Ball. Matt Ball is stuck on the train. This is your secondary host, maybe your tertiary host, Carlito. And this is the Blue Co. Project Podcast. See, I can say that seamlessly. Matt struggles with it every single time. Today, we are talking about a barn burner, a banger, a slobber knocker, a fucking war zone of a game. One of the finest examples of why this sport is king sport that I've seen in maybe five or six years. This is why not only the sport is king, but the league itself is unparalleled, untouched. This is England, baby. This is football, baby. And this is Man City Chelsea Review. It was an outstanding display of intelligence, intensity, wild behavior, referee calls, rain, crazy passion, all of the above at all and more. This is why we watch the game for games like today. Okay, you don't get this shit in Italy. You certainly don't get this shit in La France where they're retired. No, 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 no. Only in England, baby. And only between teams like these two, who are a lot closer than people think. Chelsea, Man City Review. Jared, we'll start with you. How are you? Uh, you know, I've had a wonderful day. I, it's usually, I usually get disgusted if we don't get all three points, but it's hard to get disgusted when the team puts in that type of performance today. I'm usually not a fan of uh, moral victories, but yeah. when you're building a young team and trying to build chemistry and togetherness, moral victories do play a part. And we played the best team in the world to a draw today. And some would say we were the better of the two teams. Now, I'll just leave it there. That in itself, for a team that's been together less than a year, that's something to be said. New coach, new players going toe-to-toe with the best team in, in, in England and probably the world at this point. And uh, we looked like we belonged. We looked like, hey, you, you know, if you play this game 100 times, it's a 50-50 game. So uh, I think we need to take this under, take this in and digest it and uh, let this be a building block to uh, future successes. Paulinho. Fellas, thanks for having me back. Uh, fun as hell, that's for sure. Mm. We played them even, not not just uh, in the scoreline, but we didn't do anything special to accommodate them in any way. We just we just lined up, and uh, yeah, I thought we were the better team for sure. A little unlucky not to get all three, but we'll take it. We'll take the draw, and we'll keep it moving, keep it building. And this team's only going to get better. Let's not forget. A lot of players coming back. We'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a guy that breaks down stats very often, but uh, 40, basically 45.2 to 54.8% possession, shots on goal, 9 to 8. Shot attempts, Chelsea 17, Man United 15. Fouls, 12 to 15. Yellows, corners, three, three, saves, six and five. Yeah, man. I mean, it's as easy. It's as even as you can get. 
torrential conditions. I mean, there was so much rain. Steam was fogging up the camera lens. You know, steam was permeating throughout the field and the, you know, the fans or you in the stadium in the seats. It was everywhere, man. Pochettino kept having to have his uh, assistant coach give him a new towel to wipe off his whole face just because it was an unbelievably England atmosphere. I mean, they, these are the games that people talk about in hushed tones, you know, behind closed doors for years to come. This is this is a game that shows the very best of our sport. I thought the VAR was fine. I thought that the, the referee was fine. I thought that the performances of both teams were really, really good, although I do think Chelsea had better moments. Uh, the managers, for the most part, were really good. Pochettino, under a lot of criticism over the last, I don't know, month and a half or so by certain fans, certain pundits, not us. We understand this is a process. We understand that this is the guy, and we understand that this is the group that we want going forward. And, you know, the more that we get healthy is really the more that we can show an adequate representation of what the team actually is. Because it's been a false and, um, I guess, underwhelming representation of what we really are because it's just not the complete article yet. We haven't been able to show who we really are, but over the next six weeks, I do believe that we will be able to. So just, you know, starting off with the game, I mean, Jared, let's start with you. What are some of the things that stood out to you? Um, whether it's goals or movement or philosophies, lineup, pick anything you want. Cause there's a shitload of things. There's a bevy of things to think about and talk about. Yeah, and and I'm so I'm gonna start with the captain because you know the talking point coming into the game was oh Jeremy Doku, the flavor of the month, mm-hmm. the flavor of the moment. He got four assists against Bournemouth. Woo, let's be scared. <laughs> um, I don't think he even got out of Reese James's pocket for a second in this match. Reese James is the best right back in the world. He's one of the best players in the world, and we are a far better team when he is on the pitch than we are with when him with him off the pitch. And I don't care what anybody says. Reese James makes this team better every time he's on the pitch. And I also want to give a shout out to Gusto because levels did not drop when he got on the pitch. No, he is a very, very good young player. And, and this young man is going to get loads better being in a competition with the best at the position. So I'm going to start there. That doesn't mean other players don't need to have some praise, but I'm going to start with our captain, with the guy who put Doku in his pocket, send him back to Belgium. He's just another Lukaku, but he's shorter. (laughs) You know, one of the things about Gusto is that he, he does one twos really well. You know, it's, it's a simple, it's a simple play down the line. But he always seems to get on the receiving end of that second pass, and he gets there so quickly. I don't think opposition understands he's a very quick player. Um, you know, more more quickness than top speed, but he's very good at combining. As a result, he covers ground really quickly, and uh, he multiple times he was getting forward, getting real dangerous, getting into space. You know, even more space than when Reese would get it because Reese was more on the counter. Augusto was in the run of play and very impressive. I love having him as a player, whether he starts or he comes off the bench. It doesn't really matter to me, even though he's different than Reese. There's no, um, 
there's no concern there. Whereas the last year, whenever Aspie would play, I would boycott the game because I just couldn't watch the disparity between what Reese James is and how he affects the team versus what Aspie is and how he detrimentally affected the team. But now with Gusto, there's no um, clear drop off, even if they are different. Yeah, absolutely. I, they're just, again, two fantastic players at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just need to be ecstatic that we have get fr- the best right back combo in the world. Yeah. Oh, there's no question. Oh, yeah. Paul, what do you think, man? What, what are some of the things that stood out to you? Well, if we're going to talk about outside backs, I think uh, mm. we got to talk about Marky Cucurello as well. He was outstanding. Um, but obviously, the game, it was a full team effort. Like, no matter the guys starting, the guys that came off the bench, everybody made an impact. Broja drew the PK. Um, Palmer, outstanding the entire game. Yeah. Uh, with his PK, obviously, huge, huge. Um, Caicedo, he was good at times, but I thought he actually struggled a little bit, but um, I thought the game was won and lost, or drawn, if you will, Drew, in the midfield uh, for most of the game, especially when Enzo was in there, we really controlled things, and then later on, when Pep brought on Kovacic, uh, and we changed uh, to put Palmer more in the attacking midfield role, uh, we kind of lost control of it a little bit. But, again, like, just really good. Tiago Silva, a professional header. He knew he was going in before he even – before – you could see him running off and celebrating before he even uh, looked back to make sure it went in the net. He knew it was a no-daughter. But, yeah, full team performance and uh, – Definitely a lot to keep building on. One thing you've you've been highlighting, Carlito, is uh, kind of the progress we're making as a club as far as, like, the style of play that we're playing now. We've not always played, you know, so open and so, uh, so fearlessly, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Suffer ball, I know, was one of your uh, most beloved times under Antonio Conte. Mm. Uh, but uh, obviously what we're building is a very attacking, fun, uh, all-encompassing style of play, which I think that's what we all want to see as fans. Yeah, you know, a couple things that stood out to me, DeSassi was very good. Um, outside of perhaps the one cross to Holland where DeSassi failed to clear it, every other aspect of his game was really, really solid today. Aerially, one-on-one, positionally, he never loses the ball. He never loses the ball. You know, despite the fact that he's not the most fleet of foot, you know, he's a little on the slower end in comparison to his best friend, Buddy Shield, who's more of a complete athlete. DeSassi makes up for it in his positional sense. 
which is something we always knock Trevor Chalaba for, right? I mean, Chalaba may be a better athlete than DeSassi in terms of um, mobility, but as an, as an intelligent footballer and the way to read the game, to when to press, when not to press, when to step, when not to step, when to shift, when to hang, um, yeah, Chalaba just was just horrendous at it in a way where DeSassi is just the exact polar opposite. He's he, he knows his limitations, he knows his strengths, and he plays to them. And um, you can just totally tell that uh, he's be, he's going to become an elite center back. And again, he's only been on this team for three months. Um, a couple other things. You're right on Caicedo. I thought of all of the Chelsea starters and subs. I thought that he was the weakest player on the field for us. Um, one of the reasons being, and, and the uh, the announcers kept talking about this like that goal that counter goal where holland scored a lot of that was on caicedo you know caicedo trying to you know win the ball the way that we often do where we step in front of the guy that's about to receive it you know and and it it completely destabilizes any sort of attack that the opponent wanted to do but he was going up against one of the biggest players in the league he gets turned he's completely out of position they counter, bring it up the right-hand side, do their cut ball, Man City-style goal, right? Caicedo oftentimes was caught out of position against Man City today, and maybe that's because we were playing more of a 4-3-3 than a 4-2-3-1. Okay, I understand. I understand he's, he's more of the lone D-mid, but at the same time, you know, we the expectations are really high for you. And the expectations are their highest in games like this. And I think that he will actually have competition for that spot. I don't care about his price tag. His price tag is meaningless to me. I think a player like Lavia, who is not only a little taller, but also bigger as an athlete, I think that he will get time. And maybe that pushes Casado up a little bit more. But I don't know if he is the finished article there. And I don't know if that spot is guaranteed for him yet because there were some holes in his game today where I said, ooh, okay, there's some things he needs to work on. Now, why were those holes not highlighted in the last two years he was at Brighton? Because people just didn't talk about Brighton. People didn't really give a shit about Brighton other than the occasional win against Man United, right? But now, now that he's on a much higher profile team, everybody sees him every week, everybody focuses on that. $300 $300 million midfield, okay, it all of a sudden shows that he's got some weaknesses, getting out of position, you know, dribbling at errant times, tackling at errant times, getting stripped, um, stabbing as well. So those are some of the things that I would like to see him work on, and he's going to have to start working on them because there's going to be a direct replacement for him if he falters in games or in training. And that's what we want. We want two players at every position. We want that internal competition because it'll make these guys better. But now I don't think he's going to be able to rest on his laurels anymore. I think that he's going to have to be perfect or damn near it, or Poach will be looking at Lavia and then as a third option, Leslie Ogachoku. Um, uh, on top of all that, I thought Raheem Sterling was excellent. Just an absolute baller today, probably the best player on the field. Um, you could tell he really, really, really – took that Gareth Southgate snub to heart, as he should. Southgate is a fucking moron. I don't even care about international football. I only care about club. But Southgate's an idiot. 
And Sterling has been really good last couple of weeks. And today was his best game, probably in a Chelsea shirt. Oh, definitely. Complete game. He just didn't. He actually won the ball, played some defense. He played a full game. He didn't play oh, just yeah. going forward. He played a complete game. And that's something I haven't seen from him. Although I would say this for him. If you're going to do this against Man City, can't you do this, please, against Luton? Or, huh. you know what I'm saying? You did it against the big boys. I need you to do it week in, week out. Okay, if you're that guy, I need you to be that guy. Week in, week out, not just against, you know, the team that you could you could get up for. I want you to get up for every team. And that's what this, that young team has to learn next. Doesn't matter who you're playing, you got to put the same level of performance in every week. You know, Paul, I was talking with Jared about this earlier today as well, but it's not big teams, tough opponents – you know, large atmospheres where we struggle, which is great because it shows you you are a big team. We struggle against teams that have no business getting anything from us. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's infuriating because you know we have the talent. You know the guys can do it. It's just a matter of putting together the consistency, which is the tough part. Uh, and that just comes with time. It comes with them playing together more and uh, as a group, um, you know, finding their standard of play that, that they expect every time they come out on the pitch. So obviously Poch has a big, a big part in creating that. Um, but we're seeing it. You know, we're seeing a lot of good things, especially against these top teams. And we just got to stay patient and keep building. But I agree with you. There's, there's no question we're world class when, when we have those good days. Yeah. And, you know, b- building on consistency, I think a lot of it. Now, I mean, there's two schools of thought with this. If a player is playing every week, and he feels comfortable about his sport, feels comfortable about his job, but not comfortable in a complacent way, but comfortable in a confident way, then you can see how he's always going to want to play and he doesn't want anything to disrupt that in a way that maybe Jack Grealish's season this season has been disrupted by Doku coming in. You know, because I didn't think Jack Grealish did a fucking thing today. Um, and he hasn't been very good lately, and that's because someone else has been coming in to replace him. You know, but then I look at uh, Nkunku, who's about to come in, and I'm saying to myself, all right, so who is this going to affect the most? And it might be affecting the most Sterling, Mudrick, and Jackson. Because it won't affect Palmer. Palmer's going to play regardless. But those three, when you're introducing a player that's probably better than all three of them, uh, does this make those three better? Or does it make them go into a shell? I don't know, because we haven't seen it yet. We haven't bought a player like Nkunku in a very long time. Um, you know, he's kind of like a hybrid between Hazard and, and Willian a little bit there. And I'm just thinking to myself, does this make us strive harder, you know, to train better, to, to, you know, to expect more from each other in games? Or is this going to make certain players regress? I'm not sure. But I will tell you this. Introducing Lavia and Nkunku now, it has the potential to go either way. I think it's going to be a really big positive, and I hope it is because 
this was our best performance of the of the year so far, and we're only going to introduce more quality into it, maybe even bring in a striker in January. But I want to see how this team responds, Jared, because I don't I don't know how they're going to respond just yet. And I also don't know how we're going to play. But I'm curious as to what you think about all of that. Yeah, and look, I just while you were talking, I was looking at the schedule. Yeah. Just so people understand, when we come back, we play Newcastle. Who's supposed to be back by Newcastle? Christopher Nkunku. Now, do I think he's going to get the start from the from the jump? Probably not. They'll probably work him in, or they might play him 60 and rest him 30. But I'm guessing that game he'll come on for 30, right? That's sure. just my thought. Uh, I don't, but maybe he does start from the beginning, depending on injuries in training or uh, international, whatever. But this guy, for me, the player that's at most, uh, in, is most likely to be dropped, is going to be Connor Gallagher. And not because he hasn't been good. OK, it's just because you do it when you go do play an intentional, uh, a, a traditional four, two, three, one with a cam. Which for me right now in the way they're playing and scoring actually has the ball in the back of the net. Sterling, Jackson and Palmer cannot be dropped. So if you're adding an Nkunku, you got to look to get rid of one of the midfielders. And who is the weakest midfielder that we have currently starting in the pivot? Well, for me, it's Connor Gallagher because you don't want him deep because he has that bozo moment. So you put him in rotation with Lavia and Caicedo and with um, with Enzo because after after Nkunku comes back, Chukomek is supposed to be back too, whose best position is in the 10. So where the competition is going to be awesome, you're going to find out who's actually good enough to be here and who wilts under that pressure. And if you wilt under that pressure, if your game goes down because you're competing against somebody else, then you're not good enough to be here. And I don't care how much we paid for you or didn't pay for you. If you take a step back when 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 there's competition for your position, you're not good enough to be here. Your mentality is not good enough to be at Chelsea Football Club. Go play at Arsenal. That's their mentality. If you're down, they'll just give you a dog to go home with. Is this, is, this like, is this like the the the, the uh, bridal shower on bridesmaids where everybody gets a puppy to go home with? You remember that scene? But I I don't know. I don't watch those that type of TV shows. But no, uh, no, the movie, <laughs> the movie. Oh, I didn't watch that movie either. Oh, it's funny. No, yeah, every, everybody everybody that went to the uh, bridal shower got a a puppy to go home with, and the fat chick stole six of them. <laughs> well, she needs extra loving. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, but Jared Jared makes a good point. Like, this is Chelsea. Like, we're we're uh, you know every time every time we step on the pitch, we're we're in competition to win every trophy. You know, this is not Arsenal. This is not Spurs. Where being relevant is enough. Like, you your expectation is to win every trophy you can. So if these guys want to be here, they're going to have to show uh, every time they step on the pitch that they do want to be here. I don't know what's going to happen when you throw Nkuku, 
you know, Carney, uh, Lavia into the mix, but our team gets a whole lot stronger because you could see today that Pep could throw some of these guys onto the pitch and uh, have the expectation that they would change the game. We didn't really have that outside of Mudrick and, you know, maybe Gusto. Yeah, maybe Gusto. Uh, but otherwise, if you can bring on, you know, Gallagher later in the game or bring on um, Lavia, bring on some of these guys, like all of a sudden we get a whole lot stronger later in the game as well. Well, just just for example, we took off our our starting pivot because I because I don't I don't yes it's a four three three but Connor Gallagher's given a role to go roam and do whatever so he's not traditionally sitting in a in a formation right so for for me the starting midfield starting pivot got taken out well let's for instance going forward if you can replace Caicedo and Enzo in in the 60th or 70th minute when their legs are kind of at the end when they've been running around with with a uh, Lavia and a Gallagher, because Lavia will sit more, you can sit Lavia more and still let Gallagher have that free roll out of the sixth position, you know, in the double pivot. That's awesome because you bring in more, you bring in stabilities. We had to bring in Ugachuka, who for all his good stuff is just not ready yet. He, he has been a little naive in certain instances, mm-hmm. late in games where he's not in the right position or he, he chases the ball when he shouldn't be. So if you if that's Lavia and Connor, that's a different story, right? That 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 ups your 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 uh, star power off the bench by you know instead of going three star, you got a five star bench. That's a really good point, you know. And and to anyone that's never played in a game like that, I'm not talking about stadium. I'm just talking about intensity and a soggy field, like, bro. That field, it all of a sudden feels like you're running in sand, you know. And so a lot of those guys, I mean, you can tell Rodri, Ruben Diaz, um, Kyle Walker, towards the end of that game, they were gassed. Phil Foden was gassed. Our guys were gassed, although Raheem Sterling kept going. Um, Cole Palmer kept going. But, I mean, like, you play in a game like that where the air is thick, the, the, the ground is very soft, everybody's sliding everywhere, it's exhausting. You know, and so you do need, you know, you do need to be able to, if you have to, do subs in the midfield. Absolutely. And I think if it was Lavia and Gallagher off the bench, that would be something. That would be something I'd be very interested in. But um, Gallagher as a starter, it's just, like, he, there were times today where you could just tell, like, he was he was the most awkward on the ball of anybody out there. Because there are, there are no awkward players on the ball at city outside of the occasional, like sometimes Kyle Walker doesn't have the best touch, but everybody else is very solid on the ball. Whereas Gallagher, it's all, it's all a little sloppy. You know, his touches are always a little big. Uh, whereas everyone else is very clean. So if he were to be coming off the bench, providing, you know, both offense and defense. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely something that I would do. And I would be interested in that if that's the role that he's willing to accept. Yeah, well, definitely. I, I, again, I, everybody thinks I hate Gallagher. Oh, you hate Gallagher. If you go back years when Frank Lampard was our coach the first time, 
I wanted Gallagher to stay with the team because there's something that he does better than the other Cobham graduate we had from the midfield. Hmm. He's a better scorer of the football. I think he's a more he's a better striker of the ball, in my opinion. And he he he's a little bit he's faster, more physical than the other dude. You know, the guy that had some minerals. I don't know what type of minerals. Could be minerals or minerals. Right now it's minerals. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I don't. Yeah, and it, his playing time is becoming minerals. Oh, very minerals. <laughs> We could be here all day with, with that. But, oh, uh, he, he needs to go see a priest because his game is committing minerals. Oh. Uh, that's your two for the day. That's your two dad jokes. You wasted it on Mount. <laughs> You're done. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, he's just missing. He's not a complete player, right? You talk about complete oh, players. Chelsea, you want somebody who can do everything on the pitch, a little bit of all, all of it. Doesn't mean you have to be an expert at everything, but you at least have to be competent in there. And there's areas in Connor's game, like uh, picking out a pass, um, being situ- situational awareness sometimes he lacks in. He's just like that the golden retriever, man, that that sees the stick, go fetch the stick, and he's just running as fast as he can. That's Connor for me. And there's a time and a place for that. That's a time and a place for that. So, yes, you can get him on the bench, but no, he cannot continue as a starter if you want to see Chelsea go to that next level. Well, let's make sure we sign him up before we let him know that he's going to be a bench player. <laughs> and, if, and if he doesn't like it, then we can sell him and he'll be worth more because he has a bigger contract. Um, nice. Well, this turnaround, Paul, you know, and, and I do feel like it's a turnaround, you know, that, that outlier Brentford game. We just we got to stop doing that shit. But I thought that. The juiciest part of our schedule, without question, was going to be Arsenal, Spurs, City. I do feel as though that we absolutely weathered the storm on that, you know, because I'm thinking about now, uh, it's not the business end of the season yet, but this is where you got to start thinking about it, um, you know, more mathematically. I'm looking at Newcastle, a team that is severely injured and also just flat out not playing well. Um, I look at Brighton, who looks decimated, and then Manchester United, probably their worst team in a decade. So those three games, and then we get into Sheffield and Everton and and Wolves and Palace and Luton again. But those three games against, on paper, big names, Brighton excluded because they're minnows, but United, Newcastle, Brighton in between there. You know, you would think that those would be tough games. I don't think that they're even remotely as tough as the Spurs game we just had, the Arsenal game, and the City game. I think that those three teams are considerably lesser than the teams that we just played. So I do feel as though we weathered the storm in a way that gives us a lot of confidence. But with this turnaround, we have to win this game against Newcastle. And there are absolutely zero excuses because the players that we need to be available are going to be available. Yes, we got some injuries, but nothing nothing we couldn't handle or replace. Like, Paul, we, we have to win this Newcastle game. We have to go into it after a good break where the players that are not playing international football, they are at Cobham, they are training, and they are getting ready, Reese James in particular, and Kunku in particular, getting ready for war against Newcastle. We have to be fucking up for this, man. 
because there are no excuses we have to win this game against a team that is really struggling right now. Yeah. I mean, they're going to get healthier after the break as well. So I sure, sure. Them, I expect them to be better than they were this weekend, for example. But no question about it. Like we have to capitalize on the good play that we've that we've had these last couple of weeks. And uh, like I was saying earlier, set that standard and keep the standard of of play every time that we come out on the pitch. So. Yeah, we can't let these good performances be for naught because we can't, you know, pick up points in games that we should pick up points at and move our way up the table because of it. Uh, obviously, we're not where we want to be in the table now, but it's not a bad position if we can start putting a, a run together and pick up points consistently now. Yeah, I mean, if we win two of those three games and tie one of them, we're definitely in really good shape to get back up into, you know, top five by January. Um, I, I'm certainly confident, Jared. How do you feel about this next run? Yeah, I think we've got Newcastle. Newcastle are beat up. I know that they've got an extra week to, to get unbeat up, but I don't think those injuries are – and those people are going to be back in time. And if they are, they're, they're not going to be full speed. Uh, they can't play Lewis Hall against us because he is on loan, FYI. So they're going to have to play Karen Trippier at left back, and they're going to have to play uh, Livermento at right back. Oh, I can't wait for that. I can't uh, fucking wait for that. And I think Sterling eats his lunch. Uh, that that cocky little shit Valentino. No, and, I – oh, I want to see that. I hope Sterling – just eats his lunch, so I don't ever have to hear from Cabanistas again about, oh, we let Valentino Livermento go. Cabanistas. They're a different version of the Sandinistas. What, what is that, a hooligan <laughs> firm? Is that, a, is that an ultra group of the Cabanistas? Cabanistas. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. It sounds like a I, political action committee. I I, I I coined that phrase earlier today on Twitter, so that's mine. Thank you. You're welcome. I wasn't going <laughs> to steal it, Jared, but it was good. It is. It is pretty good. I just don't want to hear it from him anymore. But look, we have, again, you get in cuckoo with 30 minutes in that game, and then that mm-hmm. Wednesday maybe gets a half hour in the United game or just another 30 minutes because it's a quick turnaround from Sunday, or is it you – no, know, it's Saturday to, to, to Wednesday. Um, so there's a quick turnaround there. So maybe he gets another 30 minutes. And so by the, by the end of the year, dude's ready for 90. And, uh, like I said, when you have Jackson and Nkunku in the middle, sometimes Jackson will drop, drop deep and Nkunku will make the run some, you know, and then according, accordingly, new, uh, Nkunku will get the ball and, and Jackson will, will make the runs. So you're going to look, Jackson will be elevated because of one person coming into this side, and that's Christopher Nkunku. And I think people have really not understood what not having him in beginning when he's a, a nailed-on score means to us against those smaller teams who play low blocks because Nkunku can cut those open oh, from yeah. the edge and playing one-twos. And so – I. Again, I everybody is oh well Chelsea's tenth. I like where we are. 
please keep talking smack about our 10th place right now. Please, because before <laughs> you know it, we're going to be up there at third place, knocking on everybody's door saying, hey, you really want to play with us? Everybody's going to go, nope, I don't think so. Yeah, Pep Guardiola was losing his hair out there today, man. Yeah, he, he, uh, I, I think he, he went, he has some ingrown hairs now. Yeah. <laughs> he went the other way. They were like, nah, I ain't coming out for this. I'm going the other way. So, Paul, I want to talk about this one guy. Now, I, I, and I wrote this this morning after the game, and I think it's, I think it's pretty relevant, um, considering the way, where he was playing at City. I wrote, when Man City sold Cole Palmer to Chelsea, they thought they were selling an underutilized wing. What they have undoubtedly come to realize is that they have actually sold Chelsea the successor to Kevin De Bruyne. Bad judgment. Now, that's how I feel. I feel as though Cole Palmer's best position is attacking mid. Uh, although he can play wing, of course, of course. But I think as we continue to grow as a team, Maybe Nkunku becomes a striker and Nkunku becomes a wing. I'm not sure. But what I am very certain of is that when Cole Palmer is playing attacking mid, I think we look pretty devastating when he has the ball. Now, we got to get him the ball. But when he has the ball, he can carry it. He can pick out a ton of different passes. He's so dangerous on the dribble. Um, he combines well. He's also extremely smart, uses his body very well. And he just has, like what Jared told me earlier today, he has the X factor. He's got the attitude. He's got the balls. The balls. Right? Cojones. Cojones. Right? He's got that sack. And uh, a, just an unbelievably impressive series of uh, games for us. He hasn't played that long for us. Probably a month and a half. Four goals. Multiple man of the match performances. And then in the, in the, in the, in the biggest moment of the game just stepping up and burying a PK afterwards. The, uh, you know, the Sky Sports person was like, oh, yeah, talk to us about your preparation for the penalty kicks. He goes, yeah, I don't want you to think that I work on these penalty kicks. I don't. I don't work on penalty kicks. But I'm always ready to take one if I want to. So I, I just – it's that naturalism that he brings to his game. You can tell he, he goes out at night after games. You could tell that – He's probably a good time to hang with, and he's he's probably a normal human being. But there is a naturalism to his game that I just really appreciate because he's not one of those robots that I'm sure Pep wanted him to be. He's he's a, he's a British guy. He's probably well steeped in British culture, but uh, you could tell when when the moment is there to be met, he meets it and he doesn't really hesitate. And I've just I've just been very impressed by a guy that I didn't expect a lot from when we first bought him, and he has wildly surpassed my expectations. And that and that goal was cold as hell. Just a just a what a ballsy player, and you could just tell he, he loves every minute of this, and I'm sure he's very thrilled with the decision he made. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I I'll put this on. I will compare this to a sport that I used to really enjoy watching. It was basketball. And I'm talking about 80s and 90s basketball, the, the heyday of the sport. And believe me, these new teams play against those teams. They're, they're not even that's not even the same sport. Well, so me, there, me, me and Paul, know we're, we're huge Celtics heads. <laughs> so there, there was a few players that you knew if the game was close and the ball was in their hand, you would lose. 
Well, I'll start with the first one that I ever watched in my life. A man named Larry Bird, you know, basketball Jesus. Um, if he had the ball with a chance to win it, more than likely than not, he was going to sink it. Same thing with Michael Jeffrey Jordan. If he had the ball in his hands with time left and he could win the game, he was going to win it. Cole Palmer has some of that same char- characteristics in him. He is a killer. He wants to be the dagger to shove it in your side, in your back. He doesn't care. He's going to stab you if he has the chance. I'm not trying to be violent here, but that's the right vernacular to use. The man is lethal in his mind every time. He's looking to cut you apart. And there's far too many players in this game who are passive that want the game to come to them. Instead, this kid goes out and makes things happen. And you can't have too many of those players on your team. Yeah, he's absolutely. Go ahead, Paul. Let's be clear why he left City, because he knew he's ready to take this step, and he wanted to be that guy. There's an opportunity for him here at Chelsea to step right in and, and do that. We need more of that attitude, and he has been absolutely outstanding i'm i'm i've always been a fan of him but i did not see him immediately becoming such an integral part of the team like he has and uh let's see what happens there's plenty more for him to come that's for sure i'm wondering i think and cuckoo will probably end up taking the pks i don't i don't know if you guys have thought about that at all but I still want him to be involved and, uh, and, you know, for his attitude to continue to rub off on some of these guys. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I just, I'm not taking duties away from someone that's far for four. Just, just not doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't care if Nkuku took the penalties that his other team, I hear what you're saying. That's like Palmer. I think he just randomly took one for us and then he just became the de facto taker but I'm fine with it. They've all been really good. And, uh, uh, and Kunku, you know, you'll have to wait your turn until he misses if he ever does, you know, so. Yeah. And it's, it's not bad to have more than one penalty taker on the team because no, of course somebody gets injured or somebody's not on the pitch when a penalty needs to be taken. You got to have somebody that's just as competent and really and truly for me, I don't get this at all because it's, I played goalkeeper. And if you're in a goal and a guy is on the spot, if you don't score, it's on you. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because that goal looks awful big when somebody's standing that close with the ball and there's no – it's just you and them. Oh, dude, yeah. Diego Luna. Okay, we went to uh, second round of penalties in a row against Houston yesterday. Luna had a good game, good second half, scored a goal, and then just takes a whopper of a penalty kick, easiest save uh, of the day for any goalie. And he's just looking around, and he's he's expecting sympathy from everybody. And after the game, he's crying, and he's he's looking for Chicho Arango and, and and Pablo Mastroianni to to console him. And I'm sitting there like, dude, I don't have any sympathy for you, none. I took my, the fucking penalty kicks on my club team. Make your penalties. The, 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 the onus is entirely on the shooter. 
the goalkeeper is completely helpless. Like, imagine this, Jared. Imagine this scenario where you're, uh, you've got a breakaway, right? And, that, and at that breakaway, the keeper is not allowed to come off his line. So in a game, all of a sudden you have you're you have a breakaway and you're 12 feet away. You're sorry, you're 12 yards away. That's where you would normally shoot. You make it every time. So the how is that any different than when it's a spot kick? There is no difference because the keeper still can't come off his line. Okay, right. do not miss your penalties. It's the easiest goal you'll ever have. You should be making it 100% of the time. So I have zero sympathy for anybody that misses. Zero. Messi used to miss all the time. Oh, it's okay, Messi. It's not. It's not. This is a free goal, man. It's a free goal. No, it's controlling your nerves. It's keeping your head clear and just converting on what should be your easiest chance of the match to do so. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and it's, it's not difficult at all. I, had, I, I played with a guy who played uh, at junior college after high school. He was like 5'6", five, 5'7". But and he had really small feet. He could kick a banana kick. So every time he had a penalty, it was a banana kick. So he would kick it with the inside uh, outside of his boot, and it would start to the left and actually bend to the right. And it was unstoppable. This is a kid in high school. We're talking about players who can juggle the ball, keep the ball up the whole length of the pitch, juggling it, but they can't hit the goal. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. If you can't hit one of the corners, if you hit one of the corners, there's no goalkeeper in the world who's going to stop it. It's just not physically possible, you know, scientifically possible. There's a reaction time and the ball's going 80 to 90 miles an hour. You can't get there in time. It's not humanly possible. So for me, everybody should be able to take them and score, you know, a, a 98, 99, 100 percent of the time. But if somebody's at 100%, you don't take them off. <laughs> you just don't because yeah. you're, you're playing with the football gods then, right? You're saying, okay, if you do that and the next person is going to miss, it's, it's nailed on that if you do that, the guy that, that takes over the duties will miss his first one. I think it's, it's the most nailed on thing in football. So I kind of want to talk about the game itself just <laughs> within the greater context of the sport. Uh, John Terry posted this after the game. John Terry, always interjecting himself into everything. Uh, the atmosphere today was the best I've heard since retiring. Fans and support was first class, as was the performance by the boys. Now, that the atmosphere was rocking, no doubt. And there were a couple of people I know that went to the game, and you know, I was talking with them afterwards, and just, just an unbelievable atmosphere. And I think more than just that, the game itself, like I said in the intro, I think this is why we watch. You know, games like this are not replicable in other countries. Uh, and I don't even think certain teams can go and do this, so, except for every once in a while. We always seem to have these games. Always seem to have these games. But this one, I think, really stood out. And the performance itself, there was so much confidence to it even in the midst of us making some mistakes. Okay, the Akanji goal shouldn't have happened. Okay, the, the second Holland goal shouldn't have happened. Um, the deflection on Tiago Silva, okay, it's wet. I get it. Shit happens. And then um, the Kukurea goal, I do believe that he did foul Holland, although they were both fouling each other. Okay, I understand that. But despite the fact that we did shoot ourselves in the foot multiple times, 
we didn't let it affect us in our confidence. Every time they scored, we would score. You know, we would re- we would have a rebuttal. You know, Jackson finally onsides on a deflection, gets in front of everybody, puts it in the back of the net. There was a lot of confidence. And you hear it from guys like Stevie Nichol, who never says a nice thing about Chelsea ever. He said, today, neither team deserved to lose, but certainly Chelsea did not deserve to lose, and they deserved probably more than a tie. I do believe that we deserved the win. I think that we had the better moments, and we allowed them to get back into the game as opposed to them being good. I think it was more along the lines of us having mental fragility at certain moments, having mental lapses at certain moments. But for the most part, they tied. we tied because of us, for good and bad. We tied because of the goals we scored. We also tied because of the goals we gave them. I don't think that City took it to us the way that we took it to them. And as a result, everybody should be really pleased with how this came out. Even if it's a tie, yeah, there's more than it. There's more than just the overall game. Again, no moral victories, no Pyrrhic victories, none of that shit. But I do feel as though it's a great turnaround for us to go in the right direction. I do appreciate some of the particular performances, Reese James, Enzo Fernandez, Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling. But all in all, that atmosphere, that attitude is the type of shit that we need more often because I don't want it to come in spurts. I don't want it to be a surprise to John Terry, a surprise to the fans that the fans showed up and the team was, you know, giving their absolute all. No, man, this is your job. You have to be able to do this all the time. Not every single game, but it has to happen more often than not. Well, I, I, again, if you if you're considering the fans a part of the team, the twelfth man, they're part of the they're be, part of the atmosphere. The twelfth man. I'm sorry, I grew up 45 minutes away from from Texas A&M. They had the twelfth man there. Best atmosphere in the world to watch a college football game, and I've been to a bunch of them, so I can say that. We, we don't get that at at Stanford Bridge, unless the team is playing well. If you're the 12th man, if you're part of the team, if because some people think they, they, they have the right to say who should be coach and who should be owner and, and everything else and what banner should be able to be displayed, you know, I'm talking to you pitch owners. Um, I'm sorry. Supporters trust. Supporters trust. If 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 you're part of the team like you think you you are, then bring it every game, game in that game out, good result, bad result. Pick up the team when they're down, or you're not being a good teammate. I don't hear about it. Really well said by both of you. Great points. Carlito, great, uh, concise uh, conclusion, I thought, right there. The only thing to add is I don't know if we gave Raheem enough credit. Ooh. He was the best player on the pitch for me, the entire game. And uh, you could tell he had a little extra motivation, whether it be playing Pep again or Southgate. Doesn't matter. He needs to bring it every every match like that. And he has been very good for us this year. But he's really becoming the leader of this team. So let's keep it going, Raheem. The dream. Yeah, you had you had uh, Shane texting us saying, "Oh, he's by far the best player on the field today." He was, he was, he was, he was surreal. You know, like winning the ball. Just, just I mean, he must have met Kyle Walker four times. I mean, just like, just doing him dirty, man. And then it's like, good Lord, Raheem, he has a family. 
<laughs> he has a family. No, he abused them. There's no question about it. And you don't see that for Kyle Walker ever. No. You don't see him have that well, happen to him. Well, I, I'll tell you what. The last game that I saw us play against Man City like that, we had another left wing on the pitch that was amazing that day. So you could say that, you know, as long as the left wing plays well, we're going to do something to City. Uh, just not, it's not that simple. But yeah, you know, it helps to have forward players that want to want to show, to wants to shine, to wants to go out there and prove a point. My, again, that's great for this time. Prove a point every game. Put that chip on your shoulder and glue that bastard on. So nobody can knock it off. So you got that chip right every game. So, you know, my thing was Sterling, I wanted him gone, but he wasn't playing like this. Play like this, I become a fan. I think I think part of it is the additions we've made, the current manager that we have, hope he stays long-term. I know we always say that, but I really, really like Mauricio Pochettino. I really do. And I think everybody does. I don't think there's anybody in that locker room that doesn't like him. So, except for maybe Noni Medueke, uh, <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that the players we've added, you know, Enzo Caicedo, Malo Gusto, DeSassi, Cole Palmer, Jackson, and then eventually Nkunku. I mean, those players all make Sterling better. All There's, there's not a detractor there. There's not a negative uh, presence in that group. Uh, on Raheem Sterling's game, it would all just make him a better player. So, you know, we obviously need that from him. He, that's what the money is for. If you're in 25000 a week, you, you fucking better play well. But I do agree he's been really good this season, apart from maybe the odd game. He said certainly more great games than bad games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I really like Raz, too. I, I like him, man. He's been around the game a long time. He's, he means a lot to English football. And the fact that he's still got the Jets, uh, it's 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 pretty great. Um, hopefully he can still continue to be at that level for maybe another year and a half, and then we move on, but certainly need him for at least another year and a half. Um, you know, before we conclude, because I don't, you know, I don't really want to harp on the same points, but I do want to you know, ask you guys what you guys want to do for the Newcastle game, um, just in terms of, you know, just, just do a rat-a-tat-tat what you think the lineup would be, because I have something in my mind that I would go with, but I'm curious as to what you guys think. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. You want to go first, Paul, or you want me to go? I can go. Uh, mine's pretty straightforward. I actually think you just keep doing what's working. Stay with the same 11 we started with. Um, and if you want to, you know, make some changes along the way, do it later in the game, kind of like we did today. But I thought uh, Spurs, now City, you know, we're starting to build in the right direction. Jared, how about you? For me, I, um, the only change I probably would make is I would I would like to see uh, Benny B. Um, and probably probably next to DeSassi, um or, or Tiago Silva. It really doesn't matter there. But I just want I just want to see who DeSassi. <laughs> no. Oh, the fraud ball. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. <laughs> but uh, other than that, 
I wouldn't change the midfield up too much. And like I said, I, I'm guessing for for that first match that Nkunku would be, you know, 60th minute, come yeah. on, get 30 on his, or, you know, even 20. Um, and uh, really and truly, we shouldn't really need him for Newcastle, if I'm being honest. Um, they're starting to understand what it is to be a big team and playing more than one competition at a time. That's why I didn't have him in the top four this year, because – they didn't have the squad that could do it. Yeah. Um, so let, let, let's let's introduce this guy before he has a, has a coronary fraud ball, Mister uh, Mister Train Man. How we doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm all good. Lateness is well, not exactly greatness, but uh, happy to be on, even if it is nearly an hour late or however long it's been. You guys have been on, but what a crazy week. Um, I watched as much of the game as I could on my ever-long train home. Um, and yeah, Chelsea never disappoints. Um, and to all the people not back in Poch before oh, this game, crazy. absolutely fuck you. Royally fuck off and go support a different team. Because this this team is, is back. And when Nkuku comes back, People need to be frightened. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I was I was also saying Lavia as well. I think Lavia is going to make more of an impact than people think. But the Nkunku thing, I mean, Matt, we were just talking about it. But how do you think that it'll shape up with our front four players, striker, attacking mid, two wings? Because I think Sterling and, and, and Palmer are going to play regardless. But I'm curious as to what you would do with the final two positions if Nkunku is – a fit in Kunku. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd personally play uh, in Kunku behind Jackson mm. because I think it, it, you're getting a lot of people saying, I'll oh, play in Kunku up front, play in Kunku up front. But I, I just look at him and think as good as he, he could be good up front, but I don't think that's how you get the best out of him. And I think the problem with Chelsea over the last few years is we've not played players in their best position We've got them to do a job, and they've not. We've not got the best out of them. I think Inkuku would be better playing as a second striker, like say a Latour Martinez. But I think they still need someone next to him, and that's why I would trust Jackson, who, let's be honest, hasn't had the best of runs, but is a 22-year-old player that's played under 100 games, and yet he's still got more goals than well. He's gonna, it looks like he's going to get more goals than Kai Havertz got last season. Unbelievable whole season. So let 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 let's, let's let let I, I would I would keep going with Jackson until and if we get another striker and I'd play in Cuckoo in the middle. He can almost switch positions with Palmer on that right simultaneously. Uh, and Sterling will currently stay on the left uh, until Madrid improves and becomes more consistent. See, that's what I would do, right? I would have Palmer and Cuckoo playing both positions. Yeah, it's it, it's it's the fluidity we've all been talking about. But actually, these players are fluid, unlike other players that we think are fluid in the past. See, this is exactly it, man. Is that I would have them interchanging, switching off every ten minutes, keep you know keeping the defensive midfielder of the other team and the left back of the other team confused. And so, uh, yeah, this is how you keep low blocks guessing. Low. Mm, Defensive teams? <laughs> well, yes, because you're, you, if you're 
if Palmer and, and Cuckoo are going to keep dragging people in and out, you're going to create space in that defence. And once you open the block, you create more chances. And ultimately, you're more likely to score. Obviously, we still have the problem where we need to create, uh, finish more than chances. But if we get an elite striker, as people want to coin the phrase, then hopefully we'll be scoring more of them chances. But I mean, we've scored eight goals in two games, so we, we can score goals when it comes to it. We just need to be more consistent at doing that. Oh, yeah, well, I know well. I said low block, but I, I am I am just adapting to the Twitter words. Defensive teams. Yep. Teams that put more than five or six men behind the ball. Yeah, nine or ten. With the exception of Troy Deeney, who just sits up top for Watford. If, if, if I'm if I'm going to coin another word, nineteenth uh, century football. Oh, he can't. Paul, 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 he can't take it. He can't take it, Kenny. One of the greatest post-game pressers I've ever seen. Fucking Big Sam. Oh, Jose, he can't take it, Kenny. Just, just being a dickhead oh big sam one of the one of the best one of the best of all time so we're getting towards the end here and i do want to ask about um you know player of the game and then uh final thoughts as well just getting into it um i will give my player of the game it is raheem sterling wonderful performance an emotional performance he fucking wrecked Phil Foden there at the end. I thought that that was his second yellow. I thought we were going to be without him for a while. Good thing it was his first yellow. What a what a what a badass performance! Just double middle fingers to Pap, Gareth Southgate, to the country of England. All of it. He was outstanding. And Kyle Walker, I mean, he bent him over and showed him all fifty states. Holy cow! What a performance, Paulinho. I agree with you. It's got to be Raz. Uh, I'll give a shout out to our guy Sanchez. Some great saves. Mm-hmm. In that that save Yeah, nah. that save. I mean, Carlito and I were talking, and like the way Sanchez gets down on those low shots, I don't. I don't think we've had a keeper that's as good as he is since maybe Petr Cech. Like he. For especially how tall he is, he really gets down there quick. But yeah, I will, I'll give him a shout. And um, otherwise, it's got to be Raz because he torched him. Yeah. How about you? How about you, J. Rod? Um, for me, I am gonna go with a wild card here. Oh. I don't know how wild the wild card is, but I'm gonna say Mr. Cole, Cold Palmer. Um, because I think that you have to, you have to have a foil if you're going to have a good game. You have to have somebody on the other side that's going to equally be as, be as good as you. And I, for me, Cold, Cold Palmer has been like that every game I've watched him. And just, just to, to step up, and as, as easy as we talked about penalties being, this kid is young. He is playing against the team that he grew up with against, you know, and he he hits an unsavable penalty, not just a good one, unsavable. There's no keeper ever getting to that ball in any 
you know, unless they're off their line early. So that is a, that is unbelievable balls from a player who has shown, you know, the ability to teabag the other team with those enormous balls on multiple occasions. And I'm here for it. Matt Ball, fraud ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would agree with Sterling, but just to be a bit different, I'm going to throw another name into hat. And that was the captain, Reese James, I think. Ooh. Coming back from injury seemed to just slot seamlessly in there, even though he's playing arguably the best, well, I will say arguably, because they conceded four goals against us, arguably the best team in the world. Um, and I think done absolutely fantastic on that right-hand side. The goal, I think it was, what goal was it? was um Sterling's, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sterling. Just the way he's cut in and made Vardy a uh, hundred and whatever million pound centre-back slash left-back look like nothing. Um, and obviously, I'll probably give it to Sterling because, again, Sterling played the whole match and James only played 64 because of the injuries uh, and the coming back from injury. But I, I just wanted to give him credit as an honourable mention, but Raheem Sterling probably my man of match. All right, final thoughts, Paulinho. Oh, sorry about that. Realized I was on mute. Uh, no, let's let's keep it keep building. Like like we've been saying, it's all about keeping this as the standard of play every time we step on the pitch. So, Newcastle. I mean, I'm not taking them for granted. They're a good side. They always show up against the big sides, and they're going to be a little bit more healthy than they've been. So let's see if we can keep it going. Jared? Yeah, I, I think we, we started this process against Arsenal, but we dropped the ball on the next game against Brentford. Uh, and this, then this week, I guess, if, if you want to, it's not a proper week, but within the same seven days, um, you know, we, we've won two amazing, amazing, uh, or gotten four points, not one, two. I feel like a win. That's why I keep saying that. But four points from two teams that we were supposed to get zero points from. So now we've got the Mo back on our side. So we need to go out against Newcastle when we come back from the international break and put them to the sword. End up. Matthew? All I'm going to say is Strasbourg, Steve, <laughs> be scared. Be fucking scared of this amazing team. And Cuckoo <laughs> is going to be back in this team. Whether he starts or is on the bench, I don't care. And Newcastle are going to be torn a new arsehole. Chelsea are back, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be Carlito versus Dan Byrne. Because I think Dan Byrne is a world-class prick. <laughs> he, he's just he's just an asshole. You know, if if there was an asshole contingent, he would be the nomination. Just a just a dickhead extraordinaire. I can't wait to smoke them. Dan Byrne, Dan Byrne, you better tighten up that jockstrap, young man. Because we're uh, it, coming. It might, be, it might be King Louis. Oh no, no, we're not allowing him to play. <laughs> Oh, he's online. I forget he's online. Yeah, but you know what I want to do? I want to let the boy watch. Let the boy watch. That's right. 
You're gonna watch this one, King Louis. You're the one that wanted to leave. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make you pay for that. I'm thrilled with this game. I had a great time. I had an awesome time. The people that live below me know I had an awesome time watching this game. Uh, my, my, my poor condo. <laughs> I was going nuts, man. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't know. I think I speak for everybody when I say that this was a game that if you play well against City, it's a little bit more. Because of their investment, because of how intelligent they are with team construction, uh, with their overall philosophy that they always stick to, with the amount of money that they spend, with the manager that is very cerebral and has just seen it all, done it all, and you know always makes adjustments and is very difficult to beat. When you when you go toe to toe with them, it's always something more. But the atmosphere, the fans, the rain, uh, the referee, uh, the whole thing was absolutely wild. Uh, one of the best games I've seen in a very long time. And again, I'll say this for the third time. Games like today are the reason that we love the sport. Um, they, they keep us coming back. They keep us addicted. It is that drug. But this one was, was almost like an overdose because it was so fucking great. And, um, yeah, I think that there's not a player in that team that doesn't feel much more confident today than they did when they woke up this morning. And I, uh, I love the team. I love where we're going. I love Cole Palmer and his shitty haircut. And uh, I think that we're definitely going to have a really good rest of the winter as we go into January when we buy Ollie Watkins. Okay, this has been the Project oh, Blue Co. Podcast. Sick. Or Blue Co. Project. Blue Co. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great win. Great. Um, shit. It was a great <laughs> game. I enjoyed it. My fellow friends enjoyed it. Thank you guys for coming on. Um, and, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a nice little international break. We might do a pod before the Newcastle game, maybe even bring on that annoying little prick Strasbourg Steve. We'll see. Uh, but until then, up the Chels, Blue Coat Project, like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your mother, tell your sister. Say hi to your mother for me. See ya.